Welcome to the Rocky Messages Podcast. Rocky is a community of believers that want to know Jesus and love like him. If there's something today you'd like to hear more about, make sure to listen to our weekly podcast called Rocky Unscripted. This is where we take Sunday topics and go even further with conversation, research, and study. But for now, let's take a listen to this week's message. All right, I want us to jump in, get to Ephesians chapter 5 in the New Testament, and I'll start with this question. When was the last time that you had someone ask you, do you know why I pulled you over? Ah, some of you had that question, definitely, probably recently. When was the last time somebody asked you, do you know why I pulled you over? Unfortunately, in my life, I have had that question asked of me way too many times. My wife would, would attest to that way <laughs> too many times. Um, and here's why. Because there's always a reason for those things. Like, and, and here's why. It's because you probably understand this. You're probably the same way. When I drive, I ride the line. Like, you know exactly what I'm saying with this. Like, I tiptoe the line on the speed limit. How many of you tiptoe the line on the speed limit? What I mean by that is, is whether it's be because you're running a little late, you got to get somewhere, or you just think driving slow is boring, you choose a speed, right, that is over the speed limit. Like, you know what the law says, but you choose a speed that is over the speed limit, so you break the law just hoping that you've done it a small enough amount that you don't have an encounter with the law, right? You do this. You do this. And for me, it depends. It depends on, like, how late I actually am on how much over I actually drive, right? And, and for those of you who are judging me, I, you're like the, like the 2% who doesn't do that. Everybody else in this room gets this. And, and it's okay. Like, usually when you do it, like in our society, it's kind of like, it's acceptable to drive a little bit over the speed limit as long, as long as you don't get caught, right? No harm, no foul, until you see the twirling red lights, right? So a couple months ago, I was, uh, we were living up near Johnstown. We were in between houses. We were at a, in Milliken, we had a, um, a townhome there, and we were moving. So I was in the, you know, couple-day craziness of moving, and I've got a trailer on the back, and I'm driving, and somebody calls me, and I'm heading into Milliken, Colorado. If, you, if you've ever been in Milliken and Johnstown, per capita, there are more speed traps in those two towns than anywhere in the country. I'm telling you. I mean, it is ridiculous. They're everywhere. And so I'm pulling into Milliken, and somebody calls me, and I answer my phone. My boys are, you know, messing around in the car, so I'm saying something to them. I'm talking on the phone, and I look up, and I am blowing through a red light at my usual 5 to 7 to 10 over. And I look to my left, and there is a black Explorer with lights on top of it that immediately as I blew through that red light, his lights start going, and he pulls me over. And you know in that moment, like, you have entered the realm of regret, right? Like, like in that moment, you're sitting there, you're going, oh, red light, you're doing, you're calculating here. Red light, over the speed limit, what else, are my tags good? I, what else does he have me in? Because this is going to be one big fat ticket. And my two boys are sitting here, so there's no way that I'm avoiding calling my wife and telling my wife this, right? So I'm sitting in the car, and and officer walks up. I roll down the window, says, hello, officer. He says, license and registration. And then he says, do you know why I pulled you over? And what, what do you say to that? 
You're like, yeah, I know why you pulled me over. I was going 10 miles an hour over. I was looking at my phone, yelling at my kids, and I blew through a red light. Anything else that I missed? No. See, what happens with us? What, like, you do this, and you've had that moment where you sit down, and you're like, oh, no, I'm caught. I regret this, and this is going to have a really big payoff, or i got to pay somebody off on this one. And here's why it happens. is because we ride the line. And whether it's five miles an hour over or seven miles an hour over or 10 miles an hour over for you, or if it's not five miles an hour over, it's just one more. Like, you know this one. And if you're not the speed limit person, you're probably just one more kind of person. And so you ride the line and you're like, well, I know I made that commitment to this diet, but man, one cookie's not going to hurt. Just one more. Man, I know I told her I would be home and I committed to this, but you know what? And just one more conversation, just one more meeting, it's going to be all right. I, I, she'll forgive me this time. Just one more conversation, just one more drink, just one more look, just one more click. And the illusion that we put in our minds is that just one more or just five miles an hour over or just 10 miles an hour over, that it'll add something to our life. Like we have this illusion that we're going to get there a little faster or that one more thing is going to add to our life in some way. But rarely does just a little more actually add anything to our life. What does it usually do? It subtracts. It takes away. And all of that kind of thinking, I would call that to toe the line thinking. There's a line and we just have this tendency to step over the line. We're predisposed to do it. And the problem with with tiptoe the line thinking is that it progresses, right? Tiptoe the line thinking, it progresses. There's a line, and we push the line with the speed limit, and no harm, no foul until we get caught. No harm, no foul until we push it far enough until something catches up with us, and we get caught, and we feel the pain of the decision that we made. We push the line, and it goes from eh, just five miles an hour over to this, how bad can I be, how close to bad can I get without actually being bad? How close to sin can I push the line without actually sinning? How long can I, can I indulge in addictive behavior before I actually get addictive, addicted? How long can I push this line on certain things in my life before I actually reap the consequences and feel the pain? And here's the problem with that is all of that kind of thinking begins with a question that's an unhealthy question. Like to toe the line thinking, what's really wrong with that is it begins with a question, and we ask this question when we make decisions, well, is there anything wrong with this? And you step back and you look at that kind of question, that's not a good decision-making uh, question. Because what that's doing is it makes some assumptions. Is anything wrong with this? It actually makes some assumptions that aren't actually true, and you get this without even maybe realizing it, you understand this. Here's the negative assumptions that it makes. Andy Stanley's book, five, uh, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets, he says, here's the poor assumptions that question makes. They're this, they are, if it's not wrong, it's all right. You can see the line, right? Well, if it's not wrong, it's probably all right. If it's not illegal, it's probably permissible. If it's not immoral, it's probably acceptable. If it's not over the line, it's fine. And here's the problem with that kind of thinking, is there's a whole lot of things in life, and you understand this, there's a whole lot of things in life 
that they're not exactly wrong, but they're not all right either. They're not exactly illegal, but they're not permissible. Nobody would say those things are permissible. They're not immoral, but man, everybody would look at that and say, I don't know if that's actually acceptable. They're not over the line, but most of us genuinely would say that's not fine. Like, think about it. If that's your standard, if you're a parent, you've got kids, if that's your standard, if you just kind of ride in the line, you set your standards right on the line, here's, here's what would happen. Is you would say to your kids, hey guys, you're heading out tonight? Have a whole lot of fun. Make sure you drive just slow enough to not get a ticket, right? You'd say, hey, hey, have a lot of fun tonight and make sure you do this, drink your limit. Hey, hey, tonight when you go out with that guy, man, have a whole lot of fun and here's the deal. You make sure that you don't or he doesn't or whatever, don't do anything that's gonna get you smacked, <laughs> right? Now nobody does that. Parents don't say that kind of stuff. Parents look at their kids and they're like, hey, you're going out tonight, be wise, drive safe. Watch who you're with. Make wise decisions. Basically, don't dangle your toes over the line of what's unhealthy and what's unwise, right? I mean, if that's the line, here's what happened with kids. Let's turn it around. Kids would walk back in like, mom and dad had a great time tonight. Guess what? I didn't give you anything last night that would get me put in jail. <laughs> mom, I had a great time with that guy. There was nothing that happened last night that would get me pregnant. That's not what we want for our kids. We might fudge with the line over here on ourselves, but when we step into it and get really real about our kids, here's the thing, is we raise the bar with them. We raise the bar with them. You see, is there anything wrong with this is, is a, the wrong question to start with. So what's the right question? The right question is this. The right question is the wisdom question. And the wisdom question is very simple. It's just this. What is the wise thing to do. I want you to think that, about that for a second. What is the wise thing to do? Why is that such a good question? Here's why it's such a good question. Because every single one of you have regrets. And probably if you're like me, there's one or two places in life where you have a big regret. Like, there's a big regret that costs some things, kind of exploded on people, and you're like, man, if there's any moment in my life where I could push rewind and I could just go back, if like, Push the rewind button, wish there was one of those. Go back, I would just redo, relive, unwind that whole thing, try to relive it so I didn't have to experience the pain of that decision. So what is that regret for you? Like go there for a second, I want you to go there. It's the moment of regret where like you can't push rewind. Like there, you've already made the decision. What is that moment for you? Get it in your mind. Here's what you need to understand. That's why this question's so good is that moment of regret was preceded by a whole bunch of small, unwise decisions that weren't exactly wrong, that didn't break the rules, and they weren't against the law, probably not immoral, but here's the deal. Those decisions, definitely unwise. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Here's the big decision over here on the line that you stepped over the line and it caught you, but it was preceded. That thing happened because you made a whole bunch of little decisions back here that made this decision a little bit more acceptable or cornered you a little bit more where you had to make this decision and you've regretted it ever since. You see, 
here's why the wisdom question is so good. Because it trumps rules. It trumps law. It trumps even morality and all those things. And it asks the questions in all of our small decisions we made, make that lead up to the big decisions. It steps back and it says, what is the wise thing to do in this moment? Ephesians chapter 5. That question is rooted in some ancient wisdom. The book of Ephesians is written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote half of the New Testament. Luke wrote almost the other half. And Paul wrote half of the New Testament, wrote 13 books. And all of those books were sent to people who were leaders in the church or churches, trying to tell them, hey, here's what the gospel is. And here's how you should do life and church and how you should live. Here's wise things to do. So he writes to a church that he started in Ephesus. And that's why it's called Ephesians, because those were the Ephesian people. So in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul writes to them, and this is a group of people that he loves. I mean, he is a spiritual father too. He's talking about decision making. He writes and he says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Paul just steps back and he writes, and it's very interesting, two things that stand out to me. First of all, not much has changed. I mean, you just, these are ancient people, but ancient people are just as predisposed to put their toes over the line as we are. And so these people were, and Paul was saying, don't do that. That's not wise. And so he's just kind of jumping into them, pushing into them a little bit. And the second thing is what we already said is Paul doesn't anchor his reader's decision-making to rules or laws, which is really interesting for Paul because he was a Pharisee. If you don't know what a Pharisee is, a Pharisee was... Um, he was a leader in religious law, and the Jewish people were governed by different laws than we are. Like we have laws of society, not just of church things, right? They had church laws. They had laws. The first five books of the Old Testament was their law. It's called the Torah. Paul had studied that since the day he was born. I mean, he had the first five books of the Old Testament memorized. I mean, just go back and flip through and see how long that is. It's crazy. He would have had it memorized all 613 laws that are given, plus all the oral traditions outside of that, he had them memorized. He lived by them meticulously. He was about rules. He was about laws. Before he became a Christian, if you broke those, off with your head. He was after you. Now, that changed. His perspective changed when he became a Christian, but he didn't give up on the guidelines he was raised with. So it's kind of weird how Paul, with all of that background, he doesn't anchor his, reading, his reader's decision-making process to rules or laws, he anchors it to what? Wisdom. Because here's what Paul knows. There's a whole lot of decisions that you and I make that aren't wise decisions, aren't good decisions, but they don't break the law. They're not breaking the rules. Some people would say that's not even immoral, but it's definitely unhealthy and unwise. And so Paul ratchets it up. He's like, if you want to make good decisions now and you want to make good decisions for the future, here's what you've got to understand. The wisdom question is the question to ask. So listen again to what he leverages. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. He sets the criteria. Like if you're a student, you need to listen to this. Because a lot of us, were like, we've made all kinds of bad decisions in life, and we have regrets, but you're starting off. You need to listen to this. Every decision, Paul says, every decision you make, whether it's over here or clear back here, financial, professional, relational, sexual, whatever it is, he says, here's the standard. It's wise or unwise. Is this the wise 
thing to do. So he sets the standard, but then he follows up with some real reality and then some motivation. And the reality, I'll promise you, it ain't going to feel good. Like, this doesn't feel good. Here's what he says again. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. In the original language, what that meant, just word for word, was redeeming the time or ransoming the time. That may not hit you right off, but here's what he was saying. Your biggest regret not the decisions before, but your biggest regret. If you would go back, what would you give? What would you pay to ransom that decision and that time and get it back? Like for some of you, if you could push the rewind button and just all the way back, what would you give to get all the time back that you spent making bad decisions or you spent making up for your bad decisions, what would you pay to get that back? And how different would life be if you could ransom that time? Now, that's some reality. And some of you are squirming the seats. I'll just write up here. I'll just be very vulnerable with you and just say it. I would love to get 20 and 21 back. And some of you are like 20 and 21 years old, Sean. Everybody wishes they could get 20 and 21 back, right? There's some moments, there were some decisions, like one decision that I regret. I remember falling in love with a girl that I, w- I was desperately in love with her, my wife now, 25 years. Six months into that relationship, too immature, not listening to wise counsel, broke up with her. Six months later, engaged to a different girl, super, healthy, unre- uh, super unhealthy relationship, unhealthy relationship. Six months after that, I'm staring at walking down the aisle with that person, unhealthy relationship, 36 hours before. And it's amazing how sometimes you make the right decision, but you wait until it's the only decision. And I walked out 36 hours before. And I'm telling you some of the pain and the difficulty, even though it was the right decision in the moment, but it sure would have been the right decision way back here. And some of you can thank me in the moment because you're thinking about your regrets and saying, well, I'm not that stupid. (laughs) It's my pastor. But that's a reality. And I'm so glad that I didn't walk down the aisle with that person. I'm so glad that I am where I am now. But think about it. If I could push rewind, I would. And I would go all the way back here and I'd pay anything to redeem that time. How much time was wasted? How much hurt was given? How many things do we have to explain and rehash and retalk? Hard, right? But the problem is, is there is no rewind button. And Paul knows this, and so he's bringing some reality, and that reality is hard. But then what he does is he gives a little motivation. He says, here's the deal. And we'll hear this later, but he's saying, he's saying here's the deal. You have time left. Like what you can do now, even though there's some past experiences, you're like, oh, if I could get that back. He's saying, you got a whole lot of future in front of you, so redeem the time now. Start asking the wisdom question now. And I'm telling you, if I go back to 20 and 21 and would have asked that question, what is the wise thing to do? And then actually listen, which very rarely to 20 and 21 year olds listen to that. If I'd have asked that, there's some regrets that I wouldn't have. And Paul steps into this and he says, look, here's the thing. You can't push rewind, but you do have decisions that you're making every single day. And what you can do is you can ransom, you can redeem your most 
critical, important, valuable asset in your life, and that's your time. You can do that moving forward. If you will just ask, what is the wise thing to do? And here's what I know from experience, that when you do, it's a better life. Because what wise decisions, which lead to the best decisions, what wisdom leads to is a whole lot more memories and a whole lot less regrets. And so how do we get practical? Because we're all sitting in it today going, oh, this is great. I got up to rehash my regrets and be a little depressed today. So what do we do? Like, how do we do this moving forward? What's the wise thing for us to do? How do we use that question? Andy Stanley's book, a lot of the content for this series comes out. You should get the book. It's a great book. But his book is called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. One leads to the other. And he actually takes that question and he expands it and he reframes it. So he re-asks it, and what he does is he anchors that question to three reference points in our life. And he says, if you'll do this, it basically foolproof you from big regrets. We're all going to make bad decisions. But it might just foolproof you from regrets that are under your control. So he re-asks it this way, and then we'll run through it. He says, he, says, um, he re-asks the question, he says, in light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? Did you catch that? If, you, if, you, if we would just anchor that question to some things we all understand, we all have some control over. Now, maybe not control over our past experience, but he re- leverages that and says, in light of my past experience, what's the wise thing to do? Here's the thing. Every single one of you knows your past. There's a saying that says, um, that talks about if you, if you don't acknowledge past history, you are destined to do what? To repeat it, right? And here's the thing about past experience. I know my past experience. I know what I'm a sucker for because everybody's a sucker for something. And it's all different for all of us. Like what is a magnetic temptation for you might not be for me. I just walk right past. But what might be for me something that's majorly magnetic, that's like, man, I struggle with that issue, it might not be for you. And here's the control that I have over that because of my past experience, I know what I'm predisposed to fall for. So what I also know is what is wise for me to avoid. So every single one of us, there are people, places, circumstances, and things or environments that we probably should avoid. And we know that. And so as we're looking at decisions in the moment, what we ought to do is we ought to ask ourselves and say, man, in light of my past experience and what I've been through financially, what I've been through with habits and maybe even addictions or maybe even just certain things in my life or relationships or certain people, that group over there, that, what's the wise thing to do? And it's really interesting how clear, not what's the right thing to do, but what is the wise thing to do, how clear that is. So in light of my past experience, what's the wise thing to do? Leverage the second thing, my current circumstances. Here's the problem with current circumstances. Like sometimes, very rarely in your current circumstances, is, is, is the decision not clouded by your emotions? Think about that for a moment. Hindsight is 2020. So we go to after our past experience, you're like, man, why did I do that? This was the right thing to do. Current circumstances? Man, when, something, when life smacks you upside the face or the pressure is on from other people and the voices are coming from everywhere, there's emotion involved with that. Or maybe something difficult has happened. 
There's relational conflict. You are like amped up in your heart and emotions, and what usually happens when you're amped up? Your decision-making gets clouded. And so the better question might actually be, in light of my current circumstances and my emotional state, what is the wise thing to do? Because there are so many times in my life that I wish I would have waited 24 hours or counted to 10 or something that would have slowed me down. Like you've been there in the moment, and there are small decisions, right? Small decisions that might become big things, like texts and emails. How many of you have in the heat of the emotion, you're angry at your boss, you're angry at a family member, you, something, you fire off a text or an email that you wish there was an unsend button, right? I've been there before. I've had people been there before with me, and I get an email like, whoa, and then I get a phone call and say, man, I shouldn't have seen that. What I really meant was we regret. To bigger things, relationships, specifically rebound relationships, the emotion that goes along with loss and breakups and divorce or maybe even death, and we see people rush into relationships without thinking and healing and reprocessing and allowing their emotions just to catch up with life or vice versa, and all of a sudden, a month, two months, three months, a year, two years down the road, we're regretting a decision. I've never seen a person wait and heal and process and work with others and get some counseling and heal that regretted it. You see, the main thing that we're really saying when we talk about our past experiences and, and, and our current circumstances and our emotional state, what we're saying is don't let the emotions of today become the regrets of tomorrow. Like you would do well. Like the, the best thing that you could do when you're emotional is nothing. <laughs> Push pause. Wait 24 hours. Count to 10. Whatever you do in that moment and say, in light of my current circumstances, everything that's going around me, where my heart is, my mind is, my emotions, what's the wise thing to do? And it's probably just wait. Last thing is my future hopes and dreams. My future hopes and dreams. Here's a wise thought for you. Make today's decisions with tomorrow in mind. Like for anybody, if you're a student especially, but any age of life, make today's decisions with tomorrow in mind. It, it is interesting to me that if I asked you, I could come around and I could sit down with you and you and you and whoever. I could sit down with somebody at the Frederick campus, somebody online, and I could just say, hey, what do you hope will happen in your marriage in the future? And every single person would give me an answer. If you're single, hey, what, what kind of person are you looking for? Who do you hope you, you got a picture of that. And what do you hope's gonna happen with your business? Everybody could say, here's the future hope, here's the picture. Now it's not perfectly detailed. You may not have a plan to get there, but you got a general picture of what you hope will happen. And it is amazing to me how many people sabotage their own future hopes and dreams because they don't make the decisions of today with tomorrow in mind. Maybe we make it with the emotions of today. That would be a great question for us to ask. In light of my future hopes and dreams, and what is the wise thing? Not the right thing, not the lawful thing, not the moral thing. What is the wise thing for me to do? The way that would start to play out is, man, if you're a single person, the way that plays out is, 
is if we start looking at what we want in a relationship in the future, it starts playing out in things that we work on right now. Man, God, I want it right now. It's not showing up. But we start saying, what is the wise thing for me to do right now? It's probably to go to places to look for the kind of person that I want to meet and want to be married down here, not just the kind of person that's going to meet my emotional need today because we're all about feelings. And what feels good is to have somebody just there. What feels good is sex. What feels good is, we're not talking about what feels good. We're talking about what's wise. If you're a student, you're in high school and you're in college and you look at all these things that the that the world, is just, the world places a menu of bad decisions in front of us every single day with relationships and with sexual things and with, with all kinds of decisions. And, and if we were really wise, we would start making decisions today with tomorrow in mind and saying, what do I want to be as a leader, as a spouse, as a husband or wife, as a worker, as a boss? What kind of decisions would I make today that don't leave me with regrets of the moment but might set me up for a better future in the days to come. In light of my past experience, my current circumstances, my emotional state, my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? And I'm telling you this, if I'd have asked those questions at 20 and 21, probably if I would have asked those questions as a young husband who didn't understand how to love and to care in my first five years and 10 years, man, I probably would have looked for counseling earlier. We probably would have got counseling 20 years earlier. There probably been so many things that we would look back now and say, man, I'm so glad we did that. And here's the thing. I can't push rewind to get those things back. But what I can do is I can look forward into the future and say, what do I want with Jen now and in the future? What do I want with my kids now and in the future? What do I want with this place, Rocky Mountain Christian Church, right now in the future? What do I want with my finances right now and in the future? The wisdom question is the wise question to ask because it's not tiptoe the line because what happens with the line is we push the line and we end up making the decisions that we end up regretting. God is just bringing us all the way back from the line and he's saying, which no, many of us don't understand this, I think, what God wants for us he doesn't want to catch us crossing the line. What God wants for us is he wants to help you have the most positive, joy-filled, impactful, loving, fulfilling, sustaining life possible. He's like the good father standing up there saying, how, how, how can I bless him anymore? Like, what can I throw their way that would be a better blessing? But we got a partner in this, and so you got to make decisions back here. What is the wise thing to do so God can open up the floodgates, which he's already done, and most of the time we've shut them because of the decisions we're making. Now that I've thoroughly depressed you, what do you do if you say, that's what I want? I want God to do that. What do you do if you're on the other side of regret? If you're sitting there in the moment and you're saying, well, I made those decisions and I don't know how to erase them and I sometimes wake up at two o'clock in the morning and I'm reliving those decisions and there's other people that are reliving those decisions and I can't push rewind and I can't get them back. It's true, you can't. Sitting there on the side of that road in Johnstown, Colorado, I was wishing I could push rewind and get that moment back. And you know how it goes. That officer, he 
asked me for my license and registration. He asked me, do you know why I pulled you over? I said, yes, I do. I ran through that red light. And he said, you're going about seven miles an hour over. He said, I'll be right back. And I'm like, oh. calling my wife again. What is this going to do to my insurance? What's she going to say? He comes back. He walks up to my window. And he says, well, it's your lucky day. He said, I'm going to have a little bit of grace. i got to go somewhere else. And so here's the thing. Don't run red lights and drive a little slower because those guys are really important and somebody might get hurt. And he walked off. And I'm going, but I just ran a red light and I was going 10 miles an hour over and I deserve And No, I didn't do that. But in life, what happens? In life, when it's just life dealing with you, you make those kind of decisions, you get a ticket. <laughs> and it's a big, fat ticket. And you got to deal with all the stuff that goes along with that. Or maybe it's something bigger and something worse. You know what that is. But here's the deal with God. The thing with God is God, God says, hey, I already paid that ticket. Like when you just want to step back into the gospel, what the gospel is, it says that we all are predisposed to step over the line, push the line, really go far over the line, and we sin because of it. And our sin keeps us from God. It causes what the Bible says death, and it's talking spiritual death, not even just physical death. Separation from God for eternity, it says. And God was the most loving God there could ever be, and he said, I can't have that, so I'm going to take my most precious, perfect one, Jesus, and I'm going to go have him pay for everybody's sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says that God made him who had no sin, the only perfect sacrifice, the only one good enough that could do it. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that we might be the righteousness of God. Guys, it's like my past history of I don't know how many tickets or how many warnings or pullovers. He just wipes it clean. Like I paid that one. Let's live differently because it's going to be a better life. More memories, less regrets. And that's what he says to you right now. He says in 1 John 1, 9, if you will confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgiveness of all. He will forgive us of all, not just some, all unrighteousness. I don't care what you've done and who you've done it to. What the regrets were, the circumstances were, he has forgiven you if you ask for it, if you place your faith in him. And when you do, now you have to ask. You have to ask him to be the leader of your life, place your faith in him. The Bible says those who place their faith in him, the immediate response is to be baptized. And the Bible says that when we are lowered into those waters and raised up, it is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And what happened at the death, burial, and resurrection? Sin was defeated. Because of your faith in Christ, your sin can be defeated through Jesus Christ. And so he says, the wise thing to do might be today to come down front, meet with our prayer team after service and say, I need that. And for the rest of us, the wise thing might, to do, might be to do is walk out of this place today and start asking the question, man, in light of my past experience, my current circumstances, my emotional state, what is the wise thing to do? You won't regret it, I promise. Let's pray. Father, come before you right now, and I think for us today, there are some people that are sitting there and some of those regrets, and there are some late nights, and 
there are some wishing that we could push rewind. Father, I pray that we would just understand that if we would, if we would ask this question, we would be able to in the future push rewind, not to relive our regrets, but to relive the memories of the miracles you've done in our life. So help us to commit, not just to the wisdom question, how about the wisdom decision that I will do the wise thing? Father, for those of you that, those people here today that need to connect with you and make the wise decision to become a follower of Jesus, help us to have the guts to do it in the moment because we know that Jesus will lead us into joy and happiness and forgiveness now and in the future. So Father, for those who make that decision, I pray that you would just bless their socks off that you would open up the floodgates of your blessings and that you would show them over time that living for you is a much better way to live. So God, we just give you our lives. We pray for your grace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.